Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And today on Viewpoint, we are continuing our series called Real Life. Life isn't always easy, but life has a way of blessing. And today, you're going to hear the most remarkable story of a woman whose life started with great challenges, but who has grown to bless others. You won't want to miss it. I'm so pleased to have with us today on Viewpoint a woman named Barbara Hamblin. Barbara, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Now, when I say Barbara, I know you don't actually go by Barbara most of the time. People call you BJ. Why is that? Well, it's a very good reason. My mother-in-law is Barbara Jean Hamlin, and I'm Barbara Joe Hamlin. So we had to make a difference there somehow, <laughs> so, some way. Your husband needs to know who he's talking to, and you need exactly. to know who he's talking to. And for you, that's BJ. Yes. We're so glad, BJ, to have you with us. And, you know, your story is the stuff of, well, I'd say Hollywood film, really. <laughs> uh, when you when you think about real life, we sometimes think about, well, I got a flat tire or, you know what, I had to go to the doctor because I broke my arm. These are real events that cause us some grief. But when you step back out of life and realize that real life can have many more challenges of greater magnitude than those, sometimes it takes our breath away to understand how people have survived and triumphed over difficulties. And BJ, you're here today because your life began with a tall mountain that few people could even imagine climbing. It's not a mountain you could have climbed by yourself, but somehow, some way, God's hand was on you. I believe that. Tell us a little bit about your beginning, where you started out, which has launched you into a journey that affects you even to this day. I was born in Alexandria, Indiana. Uh, my mother gave birth to me in her bathroom, and consequently, left me outside in a trash can to die. Let's just back that up, because right there in a very short space, you have introduced us to a narrative that's almost beyond our comprehension. Alexandria, Indiana is a small town. It's north of Indianapolis, maybe 35 miles. Right. Uh, Your mother lived in that place, and she conceived you as a child, and you were delivered in a bathroom. Right. But it must have been a kind of crisis pregnancy, something that she was not prepared with which to cope. And so upon exactly. your birth, she took you outside into a trash can outdoors. Is that right? Yes. And she just laid you in a trash can and walked away. It was outdoors away from her house, away yes. from where she was. It was in an alley. In an alley. Wow. And so then what happened? Here you are. You didn't die there, even though she thought perhaps you would. What, what happened next? Well... Along about 8 o'clock, a woman came out to hang laundry on her line and heard what she thought was a dog or a cat and went to investigate and found me. She wrapped me up, cleaned me up, called police department, gave me sugar water, and saved my life. Do you know that woman? Yes. Someone you became acquainted with in time? Yes. Yes. And the police came, Mm -hmm. and then what happened? Well, the officer took me to St. John's Hospital where they determined I suffered hypothermia. It was a life-threatening situation. Yes. You'd been exposed to the elements without any clothing, uh, abandoned outside. Right. And they admitted you to the hospital then. You're right. They estimated at first I was out in the elements for maybe three or four hours, but subsequently they determined I was born about midnight and found around eight. So that was eight hours. a long time. Yes. And so as you are at the hospital and you recover, your little body gathers strength. Right. And then what happens? I was adopted about six weeks later. And uh, found yourself then in loving arms. Yes, very much so. And that family raised you up. Right. 
and uh, you're thankful for them. Oh, yes. And uh, as you grow up, when did you first learn of, of this awful tragedy at your birth? I mean, how old were you when someone explained to you, you know, when you were born, you were left in a trash can? I mean, that'd be a hard thing to hear, I think. Well, Mom and Dad told me at first I was adopted at nine. I don't think they had any intention of telling me the circumstances of my birth. Mm-hmm. But at 15, I wanted so badly to go to, to Spain with my Spanish class. I was a freshman and wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Well, they finally relented, and when they filled out the passport application, my, I put down July 3rd, my birth date that I always known. And the next day, my teacher came back and said, well, you need to sign this. You made some mistakes on, on your application and your parents corrected it and now all you have to do is sign it. Nosy kid that I was, I read it. <laughs> and what was a different birth date? Yes. How come? It was said June 19th. I don't know. that. And uh-huh. I asked the teacher why it's said a different date and she said, you need to ask your mama. Because your birthday that you'd celebrated was likely the day you were adopted or taken home. Actually, it was a date of my dad's best friend's birthday. <laughs> so they pulled it out of the air. Right. And uh, But all of that process exposed you to the reality that, wait a minute, my, my coming into this family wasn't just in an ordinary way. Right. And so you began asking questions and uh, doing some homework. Yes, I started asking questions at 15. They explained to me I was abandoned and, and left in the trash can and all that, which a 15-year-old can't handle. And so I acted out. Yes. It was hard to hear. Yes, I acted out, and and they had some hard times with me throughout my high school years. And at 21, I got out on my own, and I thought, hmm, I want to know. And so in time, you actually have discovered your family of origin. Yes. You met your mother by birth. Yes. And how did she receive you? The first words out of her mouth over the phone was, can you ever forgive me? And I said, of course, yes. I did not know the depth of forgiveness at that time because I was so young. How old were you? I was 22. Okay. But as the years progressed, the depth of that forgiveness and the more I knew Christ, the more deep it became. You've just introduced Jesus into the conversation because your faith has been a part of your growing experience and your capacity to forgive is tied to your understanding of forgiveness through Christ. Is that fair? Yes, very much so. I mean, my mom and dad raised me to know Christ. But it wasn't until I got out on my own and separated from my family for a time that I made Christ my own. I didn't depend on grandma and grandpa's prayers or mommy and daddy's prayers. I I, had to know Christ for myself. I understand. But knowing him, that gave you a capacity to forgive. Yes. In a way that really might have been much more difficult had you had no spiritual framing and hard enough even with that to look at the woman who abandoned you into a garbage can and say, it's okay, I love you just the same. Right. And uh, you became acquainted with her. Exactly. Is she still living? No, she died in 2011, unfortunately. She had COPD. I see. But in that time, in the years before, you were able to know her and to understand some of her story. Yes. How is it that you think that she chose to leave you in a trash can? What was her circumstance? What would lead her to do that? She was hemorrhaging at the time, and I honestly believe that she thought I was already dead. Mm-hmm. I, 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 that, that's the only explanation I can come up with. 
I have a, I didn't really ask her and push her too much. Right. But she understood that mm-hmm. uh, she had a daughter that did grow up out exactly. of the crash can. And so that was a haunting her until you called. Yes, it was. And honestly, a gift from God to her that you found her because she could then be released a little bit from that shame. Not a little bit, a whole lot. A whole lot. She had come to know Christ, but she always carried that guilt. Wow. And God does not want her or anybody else to carry the guilt of their former sin. If he can't remember, why should we? Wow. So. And that that is amazing good news. Yes. And as you have unfolded that story, it has led you to embrace a project which actually now is going to take the sadness of that story from your beginnings and turn it into a gift of life for others. And when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about something called Safe Haven Baby Boxes. You won't want to miss this part of BJ's story. It is absolutely astounding. We'll be right back. B.J. Hamlin is our guest on Viewpoint today. She is a woman who, when she was born, found herself abandoned in a trash can. Just a few hours uh, from birth, she is discovered in a trash can and ultimately taken to hospital. There she is recovered from her exposure to the elements which might have ended her life just then and there, ultimately adopted into a loving family. She became a young woman and uh, asked some questions, did some homework, and was reunited with her family by birth some healing there then. And she's gone on herself to be married. She's a mom. You have two boys. Is that right, BJ? Yeah, and I've got four grandbabies. Wow. And so a lot of good has come out of your life. But one more thing, you've not been able to escape the sense of of real life, that there are moms so desperate that they might abandon a child in a way that would provide no future for the child. And so you have stepped into a program that can help provide a way. It's called Safe Haven Baby Boxes. Now, we live in Indiana, you and I both. Mm-hmm. The state of Indiana has a law that has been passed a few years ago that makes it possible for certain institutions or community markers, like a fire station or a hospital, to actually receive children so that people can bring a child that they would otherwise maybe leave in a trash can to a safe place. Is that right? Yes, that was passed in 2001, and I was a part of that legislation back then. And uh, that opened the door for these community outposts to actually set up systems where they might be able to receive a child as opposed to just the random leaving at the curb. And that leads us to baby boxes. Tell us about the baby box. What is that actually? Well, Monica Kelsey, uh, the founder and president, went on a mission trip to Africa and saw a box in a church, actually. And uh, the church had quite a few babies abandoned, and they made this spot so that they could uh, put the baby in. It wasn't as technical as what we have. But the idea is the same. The idea is the same. A desperate young mom might bring a baby to the church in Africa and just leave it there. And so the churches began to create spaces where the baby could be safe until discovered. Right. When she came back, she couldn't escape this. And she did some research and found that there are still babies being abandoned. There's been 15 babies just this past year that have perished in front of a designated safe haven place Wow! because they couldn't go through with the face-to-face interaction. Leaving their baby. In other words, without a receptacle, without a box or some kind of drop-off, some young moms already in a trauma 
just can't bring themselves to walk into a fire station and talk to the fire department personnel there or into a hospital. They just right. can't do it. Right. So the baby's left outside and dies, right. unknowns to anyone nearby. Right. So the baby box that you are working with actually is a piece of equipment that it's- can be installed into a building or a front door area of one of these things, like a fire station or a hospital. Is that right? Right, right. But that place is also private enough that nobody sees and nobody knows. So the mother can walk away anonymously, leave the baby, walk away, and she's not under any kind of prosecution. Now, I've seen this baby box, and honestly, from a distance, it looks a little bit like a safe deposit or like a night deposit at a bank. You know, it's it's a metal cover. It's kind of... Uh, just about chest high, and you can open up a door. But as you open the door, it lays out flat, and there's a space inside where you can lay a child. When you close the door, what happens? It locks. It locks from the outside. The alarm goes off when the door is open, and then a second alarm goes off when the baby is placed in there. It's motion sensitive. Yes. And then a third alarm can be pushed by the mother herself, so that she knows she has done everything she knows to do to save her child. And And then the door is closed, and once the door is closed, nobody can open it. It locks. From the outside. Exactly. Only medical personnel can open that from the other side. And and usually there's this drop-down door on the other side where appropriate personnel can retrieve the child. And when you talk about an alarm, though, you're not talking about bells and whistles outside the building. No, No. just alerts someone who has the responsibility of paying attention that someone's placed a child. Right. And outside the safe haven baby box, there's a placard that kind of describes for a mom, here's what you can do and helps her understand what the steps are. And there's also a number to call if she wants. Yes, yes. That number is, we hope she'll call that number first because that number will give her counsel. There's licensed counselors on the other end. That will give her alternatives that she can maybe go to the nearest hospital, fire station, where there's a human being to where they can place the child in a human being's hands. But if she's resolute and she does not have a parenting plan, she does not want any kind of help that way, then they will instruct her on how to use the baby bots. And in the end, the child's life is spared. Because the the mom has an option where she can remain completely anonymous if she chooses to, even though we hope that she might disclose because she may have all kinds of needs beyond just the child that may need attention. But in either case, that baby can be saved. And and it's so remarkable because it's the kind of tragedy that's invisible unless you actually are touched by it. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, it's such a remarkable work, BJ. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about how your own heart and mind have been formed to be engaged in such a work. Because it's not easy. People sometimes will criticize or they've got some fault. But you're plowing ahead. Stay with us and you'll hear more from BJ about her remarkable journey. I can hear her talking with a friend. I think it's all about me oh how she can't have a baby now my mommy doesn't see that i feel her breathe i know her voice her blood 
flows through my heart. God, you know my greatest wish is that we'd never be apart. But if I should die before I wake, I pray her soul you'll keep. Forgive her, Lord. She doesn't know that you gave life to me. Do I really have to say goodbye? Don't want. This time to be through. Oh, please tell her that I love the Lord and that you love her too. 'Cause if I should die before I wake, I pray her soul you'll keep. Forgive her. B.J. Hamblin, as you've been working with this project of uh, safe haven baby boxes installed in fire stations and hospitals, places where a young mom might bring a baby to leave because she just doesn't know what else to do. Right. Well, all of this work is the stuff that stretches our hearts. It stretches our minds. There are hard things to think about sometimes, and yet there's something very hopeful and life-giving about what you do. And I know that you're a person of deep faith. And I just have to ask: Is there is there a place in the Scripture, for instance, where you have found inspiration, or that's so meaningful to you that kind of propels you to take the chance of other people's judgment or rejection as you pursue this cause? Ezekiel sixteen There's is verse, one of my very first ones. And uh, in Ezekiel sixteen, verse six, uh, the Scripture says, "But I came by and I saw you there, helplessly." Kicking about in your own blood, as you lay there, I said, "Live," and I helped you to thrive like a plant in the field. You grew up and you became a beautiful jewel. You know, I just reading that, B.J. and looking at you, I can see how that verse would just jump off the page. It did. It really did. I mean, it's your story. Yes. And God walked by, and He said, "You will live." Yes. 
I think about it when I get frustrated and stuff. <laughs> you know, well, you're here for a purpose and you're here for a reason. And it brings me to Jeremiah 29.11. And uh, that Jeremiah 29.11 is a famous verse. talks yes. about God's knowledge of his plans for us. Right. And it's a, it's a plan that's good and it's for life. Yes. And what would you say right now? To a mom, and I keep saying a young mom, but sometimes moms aren't so young. No, mine was 22. There you go. And what would you say to a woman who has a child that's about to be born, and she just doesn't know what to do because the circumstances of her life are so desperate that she just does not see a way to hold the baby and love that baby herself? What would you say to her right now? Call that hotline. Get help. Talk to somebody. There, if, if you don't call our hotline, there's other places that you can go for help. But don't leave that baby out in the elements. Do something. Work to save the baby's life, even if you don't feel like you yourself can keep the child. Exactly. That there, child has a plan for its life, just like God has a plan for her life. And. There's a way to reach out for help where you can be protected and anonymous. Yes. These hotlines work to make sure that you are safe, even as your child can be safe. Yes. And the the safe haven laws vary from state to state. And if you're like my mother, you may travel from another state to another state to give birth so that nobody knows you're even pregnant. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows. And that's, that's the important thing. Look and see what the safe haven law is for where you're going to surrender that baby. And In the state of Indiana, it's up to 45 days. That you can uh, leave the child exactly. and walk away. And, of course, with the Internet these days, it's a short step to Google or to Bing to just type that in, even at your public library. But think about the child and the life and the future that child might have and also the joy that child might bring to someone else who is waiting for a child in their home. Yes, there's so many families now that that want children that have infertility issues that they want a baby. And there's a way. Now, there's one other person in this uh, scenario that needs to be addressed, and that's the father of the child. And we all know that sometimes fathers may not even be aware that uh, their girlfriend has conceived or, you know, they may be detached in the relationship in some way. But what would you say to a man who knows that there is a child out there and that the mother of his child is struggling? What would you say to that guy? Well, it doesn't have to be the mother to surrender that child. If they decide together that they cannot take care of that child, then he can bring that child to a fire station, a hospital, a safe haven box. He can assume responsibility to yes. make sure the child lives too. It's his flesh and blood as well. Yes. And, and uh, any kind of relative, anybody that the mother would want to bring that baby in can surrender that child. No questions asked. And now at the last, there's someone listening today who's not having a child, maybe never had one or never struggled in the way we've described but they feel pretty bad about themselves. They've had some circumstances in their life growing up that made them feel like maybe they weren't unworthy or weren't valuable. 
honestly to be told that you were born and laid in a trash can seems to be about the bottom of the barrel almost and in kind of the hard news someone could receive as you received it, BJ. Especially as young as I did. Yes, indeed. A young teenage girl, it's pretty hard to bear. But what would you say to someone who may not exactly have that narrative, but they have believed that they don't have value or worth? What would you say to them today? Your life matters. You have a purpose and a plan that God laid out specifically for you, especially designed for you. Don't give up. Go to somebody. Get help if you need help. But ultimately, go to our Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to help you. BJ, your story is so compelling, and thank you for being faithful to the call on your life even today. And for our listeners, we don't know what your journey is. We don't know where you are in life exactly, but we know this. Wherever you are, Jesus knows you. He knows who you are, where you are, what is your name, and he's waiting close by. How do you reach out to him? How do you find him? Well, we want to invite you to take a step with us right now and pray. That's your first step. Just take a deep breath and know God is hearing us. Our Father, we're so thankful today that you know each of us by name. We thank you for your hand on our lives, even when we're not aware that you are working for us. We know the world is a desperate and broken place, and sometimes other people make decisions that cause us harm and grief, and sometimes we make choices that cause us and others harm and grief. But for all of that, Lord, you are gracious and kind and loving and forgiving, and so today we come to you and ask that you will take us and receive us and make us new. We admit, Lord, that we're not able to remedy the broken places in our lives. We can't offer any sacrifice for our sin, our wrongdoing, or for that of others. But we know this, that your son Jesus has made a way for us on the cross to be redeemed, to be made whole, and to have new life. And so we place our lives into your hands, Lord. Open up a way. And for everyone listening today who is praying with us, I pray that within the next seven days, you will open up a door where they will find help and healing, grace, and kindness. Thank you, Lord, for breathing life into us just now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you'd like to know more about how you can be in touch with the same Jesus about whom BJ speaks, the same Jesus to whom we've spoken to today. If you'd like to know more about how you can be in touch with God and find life, well, just give us a call. Dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're by the phone. You may want to speak to us about God. You may want to speak to us about the safe haven baby boxes and how more can be made available across this land. You may want to ask about anything or pray about anything, but please let us hear from you. If you'd prefer not to call but want to go online, check us out at our website, CBH Christians Broadcasting Hope, cbhviewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. You can find links to the safe haven baby boxes, and you can send us an email. We will reply. Or at the last, just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you choose to call us up, go online, or just use the post, please let us hear from you this week. What's more, BJ, thanks for being with us. Thanks for sharing your story. Thank you. And always remember, it doesn't stop at the surrender. That's just the beginning. Because I'm a wife, a mother, 
and a grandmother now, so it's about the next generation. And uh, a safe baby box saves not just that child, but untold lives ongoing. Yes. Thanks for being with us, and we thank you for tuning in today with us. We hope you'll be with us again next week as we bring you another story from real life and about how God can help you see your world from heaven's view. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.